0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Film Seizure at the Movies. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, co-host of the Film Seizure podcast that you can catch each Wednesday morning with my cohorts, Jason Oliver and Chuck Moore, and my solo show, Monster Mondays, that comes out each monday afternoon and you can catch both of those shows at filmseizure.com. this time around i'm going to dream that we've traveled back in time to the mod 60s of london and edgar wright's new fantasy thriller last night in soho now let me start with talking about how much i truly appreciate edgar wright's Past works, in particular, Shaun of the Dead, that re-energized a light-hearted corner of horror, but still delivered an emotional punch at the end, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which I think is definitely one of the most unique and interesting-looking comic book adaptations maybe ever. Shaun of the Dead was a close collaboration with comedians Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and featured quirky characters who were a bit of, uh, you know, the kind of early 20s, mid-20s slacker dealing with uh, a bit of an over-the-top scenario. The jokes were often a little bit more deadpan in delivery with the occasional slapstick moment. It's a very well-balanced comedy and surprisingly heartfelt in its earnest look at how these normal joes would deal with something like the zombie apocalypse and they followed that up with two more movies as a trio with the incredibly funny action flick hot fuzz and the world's end scott pilgrim though that's a whole other layer of something to me i loved the Scott Pilgrim series of video game and manga inspired comics from writer and artist Brian Lee O'Malley, because it spoke to a specific time in a lot of young men's lives, particularly in the Gen X space, in which, uh, you know, we were slackers and generally not great about thinking beyond ourselves. It's comedic while not entirely allowing you to completely sympathize with the lead slacker scott and cheering him on when he begins to gain a little bit more experience and selflessness wright was the perfect person to bring all of that to life again he uses deadpan comedy with the occasional physical humor and generally puts a visual stamp on it all uh with pretty much all of his movies with specific camera tricks and editing styles that really delivers a fast paced and interesting movie to look at his previous film to this one baby driver honestly i was in the vast minority of not being a huge fan of that movie i don't know if i was just victim of uh, having a, a hard time like appreciating the lead character who drove who was a wheelman basically it was an expert driver for people pulling off heists and so forth. Um, or if i if I fell victim to the hype because everybody else around me saw it before I did, I don't know um, but I'd be willing to give that one another try but, If we now get to the earlier part of this year, when I started seeing trailers for Last Night in Soho, I was immediately on board. It quickly became one of my most anticipated movies for the latter part of 2021. And I may have to reveal some things about this movie that aren't huge spoilers, but they are not things that we see in the trailers. So uh, please take that into mind if you're listening to this and you want to go into the movie completely free of anything outside the trailers. Uh, But it is important to be able to talk about some of the uh, definite positives that this movie has to kind of talk about some of those things. So. Last Night in Soho is about a young girl, Ellie Turner, played by the incredibly sympathetic uh, Thomason McKenzie, who lives in the English boondocks, es- essentially, and aspires to be a fashion designer. And she is a bit of an interestingly odd character. You see, she was raised by her grandmother, uh, and her mother had... Uh, mental issues and committed suicide when ellie was young so ellie well she sees her in the mirror often as a vision in addition ellie has some sort of mild foresight powers she knows when the mail comes that she's been accepted to the london college of fashion before even opening the letter Of these two things, really the former is the most important to realize and establish. The latter is just kind of an interesting quirk to this character that is given to us, but I can't really say uh, is really as important to the plot in the long run. Now, when she arrives to the school and meets her cartoonishly bitchy roommate, Jocasta, uh, her excitement of being in the city that her mother loves starts to wane immediately. And it's important to understand that Ellie is definitely a fish out of water here. Uh, she's in a bit of a nostalgia trap. Her grandmother loved the mid-60s pop rock scene uh, that then passed to Ellie's mother and then to Ellie when her mother was no longer around. That's important to note, and I'm going to circle back around to that concept of the nostalgia trap here in just a moment. But after a particularly rough first 24 hours in London where she's picked on by Jocasta and her friends for being shy and from a small town and making her own clothes that are much more 60s inspired than the more modern 21st century style, Ellie decides that she needs to find her own place immediately. So, she moves to the upstairs apartment of an elderly woman's building. That elderly woman, Miss Collins, is played by Diana Rigg in her final screen role. And it's a pretty darn memorable one, as it turns out. Now, Ellie feels like she's in heaven. She's in the city, in a part of town that once was a bustling part of her favorite time period this only increases when she goes to sleep that first night and suddenly finds herself transported back to 1965 in the body of anya taylor joy's sandy uh, who's an aspiring performer each night that ellie goes to sleep the more she sees what happens to sandy as she meets a charismatic ladies man named jack Played by former Doctor Who Matt Smith in a truly cold and well played turn, as uh, just a kind of a villain from the start. Like you, there's nothing about this guy that should settle you, but he's so charismatic that it works. Um, you know this, uh, and uh, at this point, uh, we start to see how those dreams of becoming a star soon becomes a nightmare that starts to haunt Ellie in her dreams and. Even when she's awake. Now, that's as far as I'll go with the plot because there are some twists that play out in the third act that um, are not something that you would quite expect. Um, What I'd rather do is talk about why I really like this movie. I think this movie is going to be somewhat divisive with most probably enjoying the movie, but some really not liking it for the second half of the film. It's a movie that plays up to the uh, inspirations from the 60s and 70s horror, particularly British horror. One of the main influences seems to be uh, Don't Look Now, uh, which is a marvelous slow burn horror that is more haunting than terrifying, but it deals with some pretty deep, topics and some issues Um, but this movie spends half of its near two-hour runtime setting up ellie and why she cares so much about this potentially non-existent character sandy and she even goes so far as to use sandy as an inspiration for her design work at school and for herself even going so far as getting a similar blonde hairstyle now what it really comes down to is that this movie uh is Using the idea of being trapped by the past as a main plot point. I used the term nostalgia trap earlier, and that is definitely in play with Elia. She's obsessed with 60s style and music, but she's really living someone else's life. Partly her mother's, partly her grandmother's. She's almost desperate to give her grandmother something she didn't have before that involves a past trip that Ellie's mother and her grandmother took to London. That was a bunch of positive stuff before her mother died. Even if they had no money to actually do anything there, but take pictures in front of landmarks, she's blinded to the fact that while some of the pop culture elements of the time and place uh, is, you know, really cool and and definitely something you can kind of wrap yourself up in uh, the reality is nothing, Uh, like what London is today and and there's it it just it can't possibly live up to what she sees in her mind when she watches movies or hears the songs of the time you know she wants to save this woman also in uh, her dream and you know when she dreams about Sadie she sees a woman being destroyed by her own dream maybe like Ellie's mother was Um, And like I said, she wants to save this woman, but is really pretty helpless and it nearly drives her crazy and uh, to make wrong determinations about what happened to Sandy. It's at times harrowing because you don't know if Ellie is as self-destructive as her own mother was. Now, that's a major strength in this movie. Thomas and McKenzie's Ellie. McKenzie seems like a very fragile person. Um, While she does kind of have a spunk and and a a defense mechanism to her, she's still skinny. She's almost porcelain in complexion. She's young. She has this tiny little voice that makes her seem um, almost uh, somebody who needs to be sheltered. Um, What's more was that I immediately identified with her. I would hate being thrust into the situation at the college where I have this bitchy roommate and their friends and I couldn't even, you know, sleep the first night because that roommate brings a guy home from the pub to bang and there's no place else to sleep because there's a raging party going on in the dorm building on the night before the first day of school. It's it's a nightmare Uh, Her personality is so sweet and so likable that you immediately follow her through this movie. You're being kind of led to the same place that she is as she follows Sandy. What's kind of great is that you think you're supposed to be kind of mesmerized by Taylor Joyce Sandy like Ellie is, but no, Ellie is a million times more interesting and sympathetic and that works for me a whole bunch. Um, the horror comes in the second half of the movie and there's some really spooky imagery being used to haunt ellie Uh, there are these specters that have no eyes and their mouths are smoothed over like they don't have like a a, like they don't even have an orifice there Um, and they follow ellie and start to come through into her real life and those things are really quite imposing and and the The frights with that are used very well, and that's where you see that Ellie has a very real connection to the past and to people long gone. It becomes this thing that you think Ellie will never have another moment of rest again because of how this really takes over every moment of her life. So this movie just simply worked for me on a lot of levels between the main characters of Mackenzie's Ellie and Smith's Jack being really strong presences in this film to Terrence Stamp and Diana Rigg as elderly members of the area that have this connection to that time uh, that that ellie is so obsessed with as well and come across quite imposing and mysterious in their own ways Um, and then you have these cartoonishly and purposely thin side characters like jocasta ellie's doting grandma and ellie's love interest john it's built well in a way that this movie traipses the line between reality and perception Yes, even those thinly created characters are perceptions of what you think. Uh, between the you know horrific bitch roommate and the sickingly sweet and likable love interest who just desperately wants to help, and it, and it's really it gives you this idea that these are people that you think should be a certain way, and. How does that affect Ellie's decision-making and her way of of reality, really? But in all, I found this movie to be quite engrossing with a cheeky sense of humor, as well as some really great visuals. As the horror comes creeping into the film, it's legitimately jarring in good ways. However, all the credit should go to Mackenzie. She's so en- engaging and so likable throughout this movie that you immediately empathize with her, and stick with her all the way to the end as she nearly devolves into a specter of herself by the time that we hit the climax. And I think it's time to put this review to bed so it can dream of the glitz and glamour of the 60s. Now don't forget to follow Film Seizure Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram so you can be made aware of new episodes of our various shows as they drop. Um, But you can also follow us at podcast providers like SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. You can also listen to the various shows on YouTube by subscribing there. And as we start, uh, 2022 Uh, monster mondays will be found on youtube as a video program so be sure you're subscribed to youtube so that you can watch the revamped and relaunched version of that show now i'll be back next week with a look at the new marvel studios release eternal so until then don't forget to save me the aisle seat